Yes, it's me live here on KXFM 104.7 Craig and Rainbow Radio. I wasn't feeling so good last week, so I apologize. I I couldn't make it, and I'm thinking that perhaps in the future I could at least um, warn everyone and and perhaps uh, replay one of my one or two of my program prior programs because there's some really good ones that people say, "Oh, I wish I'd a, I wish I had caught that." And so um, we're going to work on that. That's, I'm glad you're here. Thank you to my faithful listeners, and thank you for following Craig on Rainbow Radio. So we got a couple of weeks to catch up on now. Um, most of the stuff happened this last week, though, so I'm cool with that. Um, we'll, uh, like I always do, I want to thank our sponsors, Mike Johnson and Chris Tibbet, both of Compass Realty. Um, they've been very generous to support Rainbow Radio and Laguna Beach Pride as well, which is a very important part of uh, the community. Uh, bringing pride and diversity to a city that's known for its pride and diversity, Laguna Beach. And here we are. So the, like I do, you know, some people, all they want is a weather report, nothing more. So here we go. I guess you can tune out after the weather report if that's all you want, but I hope you stick around because I have a great program. Uh, today, it's going to be a high of 78. You wouldn't know it coming in this morning. It looked like the dead of winter, fog everywhere, all the way from San Juan Capistrano all the way into Laguna Beach as, I, as my road trip is. And um, yeah, so it's 78 degrees and looking out ahead for the 10 days for the week. Well, actually, I should say it's also 72% humidity today. So if you're feeling a little, a little steamy, <laughs> that's why it's 72 degrees. I mean, 72%, excuse me, 72%. And so we're expecting today partly cloudy skies, high 78 winds west southwest at five to 10 miles an hour. No heavy surf like we've had, although there is a marine weather statement, but it's not uh, not a warning. So and then following week, it's going to be in the high mid to high 70s for the whole next entire next week through next Saturday for a full week. But mostly sunny three days. The rest, it's sunny every day. So, and the humidity will get down to 5% starting tomorrow. So that humidity apparently is only temporary. So it'll be, we'll be back to our, and we are spoiled here in Laguna Beach with our weather. And we're very happy about our weather and very proud of our weather. And sometimes we gloat a little bit too much about our weather, <laughs> myself included. But, you know, at least I appreciate it. huh? I think that's the important thing. It's all too easy to forget. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and shout out to Saturday Market. I hope everyone's making plans for a fabulous weekend because this is the Saturday morning. So you've got uh, Saturday evening and Sunday evening to enjoy and uh, run up to Saturday Market and get some provisions for that um, process. That's my suggestion. I, I suggest that most every week. So let's get right into it. Let's get on, since I'm so, so far behind, let's get on to uh, On This Day in History. Yes, yes, yes. Where were you? You, you, when this song, song, song was number one, one, one. Oh. Uh, okay. Oh. Here we are, August 28th on This Day in History. In 1951, why does that year sound so familiar? 
The Supreme Court of California rules in Stauman versus Riley uh, that the mere congregation of homosexuals at a bar was not sufficient grounds for suspending the bar's liquor license. How about that? California, another first in California, 51, can't suspend their liquor license because homosexuals came into the bar. How about that? Boy, that is progress. <laughs> the ruling came in the case of the Black Cat Bar. Uh, we've all heard about that in San Francisco, a gay bar that was the target of a 15-year campaign by state and local authorities to shut it down. Gosh, God, gosh, gosh bless them. In 1963, the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, or the Great March on Washington, takes place. It becomes one of the largest political rallies uh, for human rights in California state. And oops, see there I'm going in United States history. Organized in large part by uh, Bayard Rustin, who built and led the team of activists and organizers who publicized the march and recruited recruited the marchers, coordinated the buses and trains. Can you imagine doing that without social media? You'd have to write letters, make phone calls 24 seven. You'd be a very, very busy person. They provided the marshals and set up and administered all of the logistic details of a mass march on the nation's capital. NAACP Chairman Roy uh, Wilkins did not want Rustin to receive any public credit for his role in planning the march because he was a known homosexual. Oh, I see where this is going. The more on Rustin through this story from NPR. Yeah, so uh, I he was a very um, high up in the, uh, I think with um, Martin Luther King and the whole organization for the March on Washington, but, and a black man, and, uh, but they didn't, it was okay that he was black. It was okay that uh, for on a lot of things, but no, that homosexual thing. Oh, no, no, no. Golly gee. In 1982 in San Francisco, almost 500. Oh, nope. There I go again. <laughs> almost 50,000 people attended the opening of the first gay games. Now, we did just have the Olympics, as, as you may know. And for a while, they called it the Gay Olympics, and the Olympic Committee said, whoa, whoa, no, 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 we can't do that. No, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> that's, that's uh, our name, Olympic. Well, that's pretty, pretty sketchy, because the Olympics came back from Roman times, and it's been, the name's been around for a long time. Uh, but anyway, they prevailed, and so they had to, uh, the gay community that had what they called the Gay Olympics had to uh, oh, drop their name and become the Gay Games. And I did attend one of the Gay Games that they had up in, in Vancouver, B.C. Now, that's a country just north of here. They're fairly large one, I might add. Um, and it was a very emotional and very... Uh, rewarding i'm so glad i'm so glad i attended and i know the city of uh, uh the city up there was uh montreal and um they were very very supportive the the city officials were at the mean there were i don't know probably in an arena indoor arena I remember it was they had hot air balloons inside the in indoor arena and it uh 
was, I don't know, very emotional. There were thousands and thousands of people there all competing, all looking healthy and fabulous right in the midst of the HIV pandemic. But I digress. Anyway, it's history. We should know more about our history. August 29th, that's tomorrow on this day in history. In 1867, LGBTQ rights pioneer Carl Heinrich Ehrlich becomes the first self-proclaimed homosexual to speak out publicly for heterosexual rights when he pleads in the Congress of German jurists in Munich for a resolution urging the repeal of anti-homosexual laws. That was in 1867. Boy, Carl, you were more than on the cutting edge, way, way ahead of history, and good on you. I wish we could reach back in time and say thank you, um, such as it is. So August 30th on this day in history, in 1956, American psychologist Evelyn Hooker shares her paper, The Adjustment of the Male Overt Homosexual. Oh, overt. <laughs> Now that's it, kind of have to put that in my pipe and smoke it. So there are overt, overt and non-overt homosexuals. Well, I can say I've seen a few overt ones, <laughs> but the masses are non-overt and you never know it. That's my position and I'm sticking to it. So the adjustment of the male overt homosexual at the American Psychological Association Convention in Chicago. Now remember this is 1956. After administering psychological tests such as the Rohr-Sarch to groups of homosexuals and heterosexual males, Hooker's research concludes homosexuality is not a clinical entity and that heterosexuals and homosexuals do not differ significantly. Hooker's experiment becomes very influential, changing clinical perceptions of homosexuality. So there, there the crack began in 1956 in the shield and that's um, given way to a lot of um, fairness, acceptance, and the embracement of diversity. In 1991, Simon LeVay, a neuroscientist who now directs the Institute of Gay and Lesbian Education in Southern California, published the magazine Science, in the magazine Science, findings from autopsy, autopsies of men and women known homosexual orientation. He found that a tiny region in the center of the brain, the intercystial nucleus, nucleus styteal, of the anterior hypothalamus, commonly known as the INAH, Three was on average subsequently smaller in 19 gay men who died from AIDS than other, among other uh, 16 heterosexual men. The observation that the male brain could take on two different forms depending on one's sexual orientation was a stunning discovery. You know, I have to question, um, and again, I'm not an expert in this, and it's, it's dangerous to make that, but it was um, the tiny region in the center of the brain uh was was tested on men who died of aids um so uh is that a fair comparison because who knows how far reaching and how devastating the aids virus was speaking of viruses 
or the AIDS virus is, because it is not eradicated, although it's been mitigated quite a bit. Um, so I kept a question that I, I would, I'm not denying that it could be possible that there is a, a significant difference inside one's brain of heterosexual versus homosexual. Uh, I think that's quite a possibility. I just questioned this study that was only on um, AIDS patients. So there you go. I, I have to question that. So on to August 31st, last day of the month. Oh my God, September. Remember that song, See You in September. Oh my goodness. That's when I'll. Uh, so August 31st, in 1979, at the start of Labor Day weekend at the Shriram Ashram near Benson, Arizona, the spiritual conference for radical fairies was organized as a call to gay brothers by an early gay rights advocate, Harry Hay, John Burnside, Don Kel Hefner, and Mitch Walker, and became the birthplace of the radical fairies. I didn't know that. In Arizona? Benson, Arizona? <laughs> That's kind of south of Phoenix. That's a very small community. Matter of fact, I know someone from Benson. Ooh, their whole family. I wonder if Craig is his name. We share the first same first name. I wonder if he knows that. <laughs> well, moving right along, in 2005, in U.S. Uh, uh, versus Blaylock, the United States Court of Appeals for the in in Eighth District denied an appeal based on the exclusion of a potential juror, which the defendant alleged was based on the juror's sexual orientation. The appeal had sought to extend the sexual orientation, uh, a sexual orientation, to protections of Baston versus Kentucky, which forbids excluding potential jurors based on race. So, um, I don't know if that's good or bad, <laughs> or it has to be anything. Um, but obviously, uh, your sexual orientation became uh, an issue when it came to jurors and whether you could um, dismiss them. In 2005. In 2007, Kathleen Sebelius, governor of the U.S. state of Kansas, issues an executive order banning discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity in the public sector. 2007. Good for you, Kathleen. We love you. Thank you for doing that. Moving right along to September 1st. Oh, my God. That just so sky seems like it seems like. The spring just sprung just a few days ago. Yeah, but I, am I sounding old? You know, definition of feeling old is realizing suddenly you're doing many of the things you parent your you realize your parents did when you thought they were old, <laughs> including walking into another room wondering why you did it, uh, taking lots of meds. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many things. Shuffling your feet. And all of a sudden realize, oh, I am my parent. Uh, anyway, you youngsters will get there one day. In 1969 in West Germany, they repeal laws prohibiting gay acts between consenting adults and applies to males only as lesbian and was never prohibited by West German law. Whoa, that sounded so wrong in so many ways. Yeah, so it was okay to be lesbians. See, that's... That's the white male, well, I shouldn't say maybe not white, but that's the male attitude in legislature. There's no females. So 
obviously they thought, oh, that's kind of cool. A couple of women getting together. Let's not mess with that. That's okay. But guys getting it. Oh, no, I'd never go. Oh, no, we got to make that against the law. And then years later, they go, oh, well, we need to abolish it. But oh, women. It was already always cool with women. But I digress. <laughs> Such is history. We can learn a lot from history. <laughs> yes, indeed. I think there's a lot of people out there that could read a few more history books. <laughs> In 19, but I digress. In 1977, the present-day Log Cabin Republicans organization is founded as a gay Republicans group, a group of lesbians and gays in the United States Republican Party. Well, I don't. I think if you want to change something, you have to be part of it. So I, I don't. But anyway, I'll leave it at that. Um, in 1979, New Jersey decriminalizes private consensual homosexual acts. 79, that's a good year. In 2009, Vermont same-sex marriage laws goes into effect. That's all good news, huh? <laughs> Moving right along to September 2nd on this day in history. Uh, let's see, we have Dr. Evelyn Hooker. Now, I've heard that name before. Is born. Yes, Dr. Hooker published the first empirical research to challenge the notion that homosexuality is or was a mental illness. Her work was a foundation for an entire field of research that led to the removal of homosexuality from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So 1907, Dr. Evelyn Hooker decided that it was not a mental disorder. And, it, and I have to say that it was only until I think the 90s that the AMA just said, oh, yeah, by the way, no, actually it wasn't the AMA, but it was the association's, uh, and a psychological organization that um, decided that, oh, well, okay, I think this is right. So it took a while. Um, but it started in 1907 by Dr. Hooker. And thank you, Dr. Hooker. In 1967, Dick Michaels, Bill Rand, and Sam Winston published the first issue of the Los Angeles Advocate, the forerunner of The Advocate. Uh, in an edition of 500 copies, The Advocate goes on to be one of the largest LGBTQ publications in history, and it is still alive today in spite of technology and, and everything going so digital. In 2011, California State's uh, Senate passes AB 9, known as Seth's Law, after 13-year-old Seth Walsh, who committed suicide in 2010 after constant homophobic harassment at his school. The bill would require every, California, every school in California to implement anti-harassment, anti-discrimination policies and programs that include actual or perceived sexual orientation or gender identity and expression. The State Assembly passed the bill in June 2011. It's sad that a 13-year-old Seth Walsh took his life because of the harassment, but it is it did provoke in the silver lining of things that uh, some changes, some very good changes. And here we go with the last on this day in history, September 3rd. 
1969, the American Psychological Association issues a public declaration condemning oppressive actions against any person for reasons of sexual preference. Wow. 1969. Interesting year. <laughs> the American Social... I got to go do this again. The American Sociological Association... It's not the psychological, it's the sociological association issues a public declaration, well, that word, it, it says, condemning oppressive actions against any person for reasons of sexual preference and endorses rights of homosexuals and other sexual minorities. It is the first national professional organization to voice support of gay and lesbian civil rights. 1969. Now, that, for some people, that sounds like a long time ago, but trust me, it wasn't all that long ago. <laughs> oh, but I digress. I think it's time for a, a short musical interlude here on KXFM 104.7. This is Craig and Rainbow Radio. So glad you're with me this morning uh, in this chilly, chilly 63-degree morning. Let's see what we've got up here. In the, what do we have up? Oh, that's it. Um, I was thinking while uh, the music was playing, and and regretfully, uh, many of the people that are watching uh, live the simulcast live on Facebook, I'm gonna I'm gonna rag on Facebook a little bit here. You know, sometimes that's appropriate. Um, you see, KXFM 104.7 is a nonprofit, and as a nonprofit or as you are of any radio station um, in the U.S., you have to pay royalties for the music you play. So the station plays pays royalties every time it plays music. And uh, whether it's rebroadcast or the, the royalties have been paid for it. But Facebook assumes that it's not, the source is not a, licensed ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, which are all the organizations that you need to be licensed with and pay royalties to for the music, which rightfully you should. It goes to those artists that have worked hard to, you know, develop their repertoire, as it may be. And, uh, and even nightclubs, restaurants, uh, all kinds of venues, they pay those fees. Um, it's part of the way it works. Now, along came um, Spotify and Pandora. Well, they pay those fees too, and they pay it based on subscribers. So whatever the source of the music source is, and if it's, and if it's sent, the, the royalties that were paid in the case of KXFM, I, uh, well, I assume any radio station, again, this is my opinion, uh, they pay the ASCAP BMI. So when we go live on uh, Facebook, I think Facebook should say, oh, you paid the royalties to provide this music. And um, yeah, so let's let it through. But it screens it and stops it, unfortunately, unless I play some non-licensed uh, music, which there is some non-licensed music, but it's never mainstream and it's never probably so much what you might want to listen to. There is some good licensed uh, unlicensed music that you can play that that but whenever um facebook recognizes that tune it automatically pulls it 
uh, and mutes it. So I, I apologize. I wish we could fix that. Someone write a letter to Facebook. Anyway, I'm, I've wasted way too much time on that one. Anyway, it, you know, technology is great, but uh, we, in this day and age, when when we can, there's so much transparency. You can see what's going on. It doesn't make sense that um, they mute the music. So shame on you, Facebook. Okay, let's move right along. And this first one, I, I thought maybe I shouldn't put in my my news, but it is news, and um, it's it's about the debacle debacle that's happening in Afghanistan. But anyway, well, I digress. Let me go on. Uh, before the Taliban uprising in Afghanistan, life for a gay man, Abdul, his name has been changed, was already dangerous. If he'd spoken about his sexuality to the wrong person, then Abdul could have been arrested and taken to court for his sexuality under Afghan laws, which is what we supported by being there. But since the Taliban seized control of the major cities of Afga in Afghanistan last week, Abul tells Radio 1 Newsbeat his sexuality being revealed would now have him killed on the spot. The Taliban are a military group that have taken control of the country and are known to enforce extreme Islamic ideals. Under the Taliban's interpretation of the Sharia law, homosexuality is strictly prohibited and punishable by death. The last time they, time they were in power in Afghanistan between the late 1990s and 2001, 21-year-old Abdul hadn't even been born. I heard my parents and others talk about the Taliban, he says. So he didn't even know, imagine. The war's been going on so long. There's a whole generation that lived there in their 20s, early 20s now, that haven't experienced the Taliban, which are coming to, as far as they know, take the only country they've ever lived in or culture they've ever been a part of it goes on we watched uh, some movies but now it's like being inside a duel was supposed to be sitting his sitting his final university exam going for lunch with friends and visiting his boyfriend uh, when he met the at whom he met at a swimming pool three years ago instead he sat at home on the fourth day in a row where the taliban soldiers currently outside his front door even when I see the Taliban from the windows, I feel really scared. My body starts shaking from seeing them, he says. Civilians are being killed. I don't think that uh, I will ever speak in front of them. It's not just the country's new leaders who can't, cannot find out about Abdul's sexuality, he says. As a gay person in Afghanistan, you cannot reveal yourself, even to your family or your friends. If I reveal myself to my family, maybe they will beat me. Maybe they will kill me. In the space of a week, Abdul feels he has watched his life disappear from in front of him. There's no future for us, he says. I don't think I will ever continue my education. My friends, I have lost contact with them. <clears throat> I don't know if they're okay. My partner, he's stuck in a different city with his family. I cannot go there. He cannot come here. Okay. I need a drink of water. So that's what's going on. I hate to, I hate to put those, that news out there without some kind of response. Um, you know, maybe a LGBTQ organization. I'm sure there must be some out there that are working to try and um, 
helped some people like Abdul, helped them get to a better spot. You know, someone who's 20 years of life have been in a system that's now no longer there and an education system that is, um, <clears throat> should be to his benefit, but apparently won't. Okay, on to India on that note. <laughs> the Mad Madras High Court, this is, well, this is in uh, August 20th, and it's Open Global Rights is the title, and it's from uh, regarding India. The Madras High Court, in its June 2021 judgment, banned the practice of conversion therapy in India. Wonderful. Bringing protective measures for LGBTQIA. Now, that's a different one. <laughs> LGBTQIA plus individuals in the country. The case concerns a lesbian couple who, filed, who fled their homes after their parents intimidated, intimidated them because of their relationship. The families uh, went to police authorities and filed missing person complaints, after which the couple asked the court to, for protection from their family's harassment and police interrogation. So they asked the court, please don't have the police interrogate us for being lesbians, and please don't uh, allow our families to harass us, to which the court um, responded here, let's see. To protect the rights to dignity, life, privacy, and freedom of choice of the couple by the virtue, virtue of the Indian Constitution, the High Court in uh, South Sushama versus Commissioner of Police ordered the prohibition of the practice of conversion therapy in any attempts to medically cure or change the sexual orientation of LGBTIQA+, plus, well, that's a mouthful, people to heterosexual or the gender identity of transgender people or cisgender. Furthermore, the court recommended certain guidelines ensuring that the LGBTQIA plus individuals' privacy and constitutional rights are protected. You know, when I first read that, um, it made me realize that the courts have pretty much been a friend to uh, an ally to equal rights for particularly for many minorities, but particularly for the LGBTQ. And, you know, and a good example of that is Prop 8 in California, which said that uh, you couldn't get married. The court said it was unconstitutional. The proposition that got passed by the pop by popular vote, uh, a very unpopular um, I guess, issue. But so, so through all the efforts of legislature and making it uh, illegal, the Constitution, Trump, uh, uh, oh, I don't want to say Trump, but uh, the Constitution prevailed, uh, legality of the, of the Constitution. So how about that? And there's other ways too that, but, you know, when certain words are written into the, into the Constitution and the amendments, they're very simple. And um, the court interprets them very accurately. And with that, let's move on. Let's go to Finland now. Gay Transgender Conversion Therapies Ban Initiative heads to Parliament. And this is in Finland. Uh, the Citizens Initiative to Ban Sexual Orientation and Gender Identification Conversion Therapy in Finland 
has reached the required 50,000 signatures on Monday, which means it will now be a referendum referred to Parliament for consideration. Supporters of the initiative said that the M they want MPs to ban treatments and therapies aimed at converting uh, gay or transgender people to cisgender heterosexuals. Cisgender refers to people whose gender identities remain the same as the genders as they were assigned at birth. The person who launched the initiative voiced satisfaction with the support it received. Jesula started the initiative on July 19th of this year. It's insane that conversion treatments have not been banned yet. After all, the regulation of affirmative therapies uh, was included in Prime Minister Sana's government's program. A couple of years have passed now since the government was established, and uh, nothing has really happened. The EU has condemned conversion therapies in its policy, and the Malta already banned the treatments in 2016. I simply came to the conclusion that the issue wouldn't be addressed without citizens' initiative, Jusula explained. So she went and got the 50,000 signatures. Although Jusula was glad that the initiative was heading to Parliament, the moment was also bittersweet. It is, I find it is sad, this is what she said, that we are talking about the rights of sexual and gender minorities. The initiative's ban uh, main backers said that adding that each advance that each advance to the LGBTQIA plus community has made Finland at, uh, made in Finland has required the use of citizens' initiatives to prompt the MPs' actions. Well, at least it gets the MPs into action. <laughs> I um, before I. Uh, wrap up on the news. There's a couple of things, a couple of announcements I, I really should uh, put out there for uh, KXFM listeners. And that is the Taste of Laguna that's coming up October 14th. I realize it's a, what, this is August, so September, October. We're a month and a half away. Uh, being um, the Food and Music Festival, essentially is what it is. And tickets are on sale at uh, tasteoflagunabeach.com. And I, I've gone to it twice. Of course, this last year, it didn't happen. <laughs> but this year, uh, you know, there's a lot of new restaurants. And, and sadly, there's some that have uh, gone away. But it's a great uh, opportunity to get reacquainted with the culinary arts here in Laguna Beach. And I can't recommend it enough because it's an afternoon of where can you be social? Okay, think of it this way. You go into a restaurant and there's like 50 things on the menu and you can't decide. So you look at the appetizer menu and the small meals and you have a banquet of like a dozen different small meals or, or appetizers. And you get a taste, a sampling of the culinary arts of that restaurant instead of one meal, which might be salmon or, or you know, prime rib, whatever. Um, so when you go to the same thing, it's like on superpower. <laughs> a taste of Laguna. You get to go to all these restaurants and taste all of their fare, and they put forward some of their best creations. And believe me, very, very creative. Um, if you enjoy food, as I do, unfortunately, too much. <laughs> and wine, wine tasting is also available there. And lots of music uh, with the great effort of KXFM 104.7. It's a wonderful opportunity. Highly recommend it. Tickets are in sale now. I um, I have uh, volunteered my time with KXFM. I'm not sure what they've 
decided or where I might be. I know two years ago, I was at the front counter. I met just about everyone who went into the event and the, uh, at the front entrance and uh, with the Chamber of Commerce at that point, at that time. And we, um, we took payments and admitted people and gave them gift packs and all that stuff. There's a lot of gift packs for a lot of the people that show up early. So, uh, and it, they're, they're all con contributions from the organizations that are all participate in it. But it's a, a wonderful event and a wonderful opportunity, not just to enjoy food and wine and music, but to enjoy your friends outdoors in a safe environment, uh, which, I mean, it's a, it's a winner all the way. I, I can't, I can't stipulate it enough. So um, it's a taste of Laguna. It's October 14th. Uh, some of the sponsors are Julie Lawton, a design build and um, Laguna Beach Chamber of Commerce. Uh, who else? I don't see who else is. Uh, well, there's many. Certainly all the restaurants that participate. It's um, the benefit that actually the, the uh, it's a fundraiser for KXFM and the Chamber of Commerce. So together, uh, my little radio station, mine, like I own it, no, <laughs> the radio station of which I'm a part of and, uh, and the Laguna Beach Chamber of Commerce, which I'm a member of, uh, it's fundraiser, their annual fundraiser. And so those funds that are, uh, the proceeds of which go to promote the community in various ways from the small businesses to the social media and information and entertainment aspect of a radio station. So those are all really good things. The other announcement I want to say, and I can't emphasize this enough because I am part of this organization, Laguna Beach Pride is having a white party dance. Now it's got to be careful of that it's a white party was something that started in Palm Springs and kind of went all over the United States. And it's kind of an end of the summer tradition. I, if you will, uh, you wear your best white clothes to show off your beautiful tan. <laughs> some people have permanently dark skin and some people don't, but the white is universal. So it's called a white party, uh, for the clothing. And it's this uh, September 11th at uh, in, at seven degrees in the canyon in Laguna Beach. It's a big deal. Uh, there's a lot of great name uh, entertainers, disc jockey entertainers, and uh, it's a full evening. Uh, starts at six, goes to 11 p.m. of dance and uh, camaraderie. It's on the deck. It's outdoors again, a great safe environment. It's on the deck upstairs at at uh, seven degrees. Um, there's a, an adjacent garden up the hillside that's beautiful. So you can see a view of the whole community and, uh, outdoors, you know, uh, a fun, great evening, great way to support the community and, um, Laguna beach pride. If you 365, so it's the end of their four part series for this summer, which was summer of pride that uh, went on for four months, four events. Uh, this is the big, uh, climatic end of the summer. There'd be a lot more to come as uh, we roll into fall, but uh, it is the last hurrah of the summer. It's that September 11th at, at uh, seven degrees in the canyon here in Laguna Beach. So very cool, huh? How about that? Uh, I like this one. Uh, I, now let's get some good news <laughs> instead of some 
some sad news. Back to the news. What's going on, Craig? Well, let me tell you. It's in the UK this time. I'll shout out to Lynn. <laughs> Maybe she's listening this time. I don't think she... she I, anyway, I, I have a dear friend in... She's Welsh. And by the way, the Welsh community is trying to be the most gay-friendly community in all of, I guess, Europe. That's their goal. So good on the Welsh. I wish more uh, countries and cultures were as supportive as uh, the Welsh. <laughs> yeah, Tom Jones is a Welsh. Yeah, she told me to say that. Uh, the UK. So let's go on. I digress. Police uh, to now use rainbow-colored patrol cars. Aha! To help the LGBTQ community in the UK. Ah, God love you. You know, in um, West, uh, in um, up in in West Hollywood, their vehicles have uh, rainbow-colored dots on the side in a little collage. It's kind of it's really cool. And some of the sidewalks, uh, crosswalks have are rainbow-colored. So. I think, you know, and a lot, some people say, oh, that's the gay agenda. No, no, no. To me, the rainbow colors are support of diversity. And diversity is a wonderful thing in my book, a very powerful thing. The colors represent every type of person. It's, the, it's every color is included of the primary colors is included in the rainbow flag. And so it, it, it's a sign of inclusion and support of diversity. And so with that, I don't think you can argue with that. So anyway, let's get back to the UK. What did they do? In a bid to encourage the LGBTQ community to lodge complaints of online hate crimes, the police in the United Kingdom have decided to paint their patrol cars in rainbow colors. The development apparently comes after complaints of increasing hate crimes against transgender community. On August 10th, a video was shared with the official, uh, by the official Instagram account of the UK police, wherein it was informed that squad cars will now be painted with rainbow colors. While speaking about the matter, Deputy Chief Constable Julie Cook claimed, of course, it would be a female who would make it happen. It's wonderful. The rainbow cars of hate crime, of the hate crime cars, whatever you want to call them, they are part of, the, of our vehicle fleet. So we always, uh, we're always replacing vehicles. They will be, get on the roads, uh, of the police insignia put on them as normal, but uh, it's so like any other kind of add-ons, but they are out there as normal patrol cars. So good on the UK. I, they're on my travel list. <laughs> um, uh, the majority, okay, so this is in Switzer, Switzerland, uh, this one, and this was on August 25th, just a few days ago. Uh, according to a survey uh, by the by Tamedia, 64 percent of the population in uh, us uh, said that they plan to vote in favor of accepting the government's am amendment to Switzerland Switzerland's civil code allowing same-sex marriage. Reported Lamotlin Martin, that's the publication. Now, uh, 35%, they plan to vote against the amendment with only 1% undecided. Support for the gay marriage was the highest in French-speaking Switzerland, 66%, followed by German, 64, and Italian-speaking, 58. What a, what a, well, I don't know. 
That's interesting. I, I, you know, the Switz, Switzerland was the highest, German was the next, and then falling a bit behind was the Italian for some reason. And, you know, it's funny because I, I, I don't know how many times I've seen Italian men, they'll hug and kiss each other. They're, they're straight, but it's, it, it's acceptable. And then at the same time, not so acceptable in other ways. Uh, but I digress. It was also higher in the cities, uh, 69% than in the countryside. In addition, young people were more favorable to the change than older ones. Currently, two men or two women cannot marry in Switzerland. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Instead, they can only enter into a legal partnership. To remove the anomaly, the government agreed in 2020 to amend the civil code to allow same-sex marriage. However, a committee spearheaded by the Swiss People's Party and the Federal Democratic Union launched a vote against the government's proposed amendment. So they've got a little ways to go, but uh, they're working on it. Well, this is not nice. Do I have time? I do, sadly. This is Iran. Iran President Rassi said homosexuality is nothing but savagery. Okay, this happened in Jerusalem Post on August 25th, just recently. The U.S.-based Center for Human Rights in Iran noted in its uh, Tuesday pub published fact sheet that the Iranian, Iranian government officials engaged in hate speech, a speech against the LGBTQ community, which encourages state and societal violence against individuals. That's lovely. Well, that is the country where they throw them off the top of the buildings. For example, Evraham Rassisi, is, who is now Iran's president, I probably butchered that name, said in 2014 when he headed Iran's judiciary that homosexuality is nothing but savagery. Peter uh, Tatchell, the prominent British LGBTQ activist and human rights campaigner, told the Jerusalem Post that Rassisi's ignorant, bigoted views are commonplace among the Iranian religious and political elite. They sanction the death penalty for consenting same-sex relations uh, this is the real savage, savagery along with the torture of political prisoners. Rassisi is allegedly implicated in the barbaric execution of thousands of dissidents in the 1980s. He added that ending the death penalty and the criminalization of homosexuality should be made additional pro-conditions for the lifting of sanctions in Iran. So he says, don't list lift the sanctions in Iran unless they have a better human rights effort, I, uh, particularly for the gay community. According to the center's research, Iran is one of only six countries that impose the death penalty for same-sex relations, and the death penalty can be uh, has been applied to juvenile LGBTQ individuals. All right. I, I want some good news. <laughs> Let's see, do I have anything? Sometimes it's really hard. A Moscow man is abducted and to, taken to Chesnia and uh, questioned about what the LGBTQ community is up to because they don't like them. Brazil's first transgender pastor, all humans have flaws. Being trans isn't one of them. Well, well. <laughs> 
despite uh, desperate calls from the LGBTQ community's youths com uh, contemplating suicide or from their parents, calls or calls from their parents, they have after made they have made an attempt on their own lives, punctuate Alexis Salvador's day. When they do, she drops everything to talk. As a transgender woman, she recognizes the anguish in their voices. I feel their pain in my body because I went through this, she said. My family went through this. As the first transgender reverend in Latin America at the Metropolitan Community Church, now that sounds familiar, she hopes she can uh, use her faith to help. She understands the struggle to reconcile religion and identity, especially in Brazil, where Christianity reigns and the church is often the far from a safe space for those who are LGBTQ. Contrary to what the church should be, should be a safe place for any kind of persecute, unfair persecution. But that's just me, <laughs> and I digress. <laughs> so I, I think my time is about up, and I think what I'm going to do is thank everyone for tuning in again. I will be back next week. I promise you, Craig, on KXFM 104.7 Rainbow Radio, Love you all. Have a fabulous weekend. It's just the start of, of, of a great time for next week. Thank you. Thanks again. And tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m.